Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst. And I just looked away from the script, and despite the fact that it's the same every week, <laughs> I lost my place, and I'm all confused. Okay, let's, let's try again. One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! It's my screen time, too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's five, and Kenny, he's two. And I have three kids, Tony is 10, and Libby and Nate are seven. Today, we are thrilled to welcome Shannon Vasconcelos. Shannon is mom to Grayson, age six, and Zachary, age five. She's a college finance consultant with Bright Horizons College Coach, and she works with families with young kids about saving for college and with older kids about paying for college. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks. Deborah, I'm so excited to be here. So Shannon and I go way, way back. We met like 20 years ago. What? That is not possible. We are not that old. <laughs> but we are. It was like the year 2000. And we worked at a resort right outside of Glacier National Park together. And Shannon and I were roommates. So that's how we know each other. So reunited and it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) So how's your um, pandemic workplace, Shannon? It is a madhouse. (laughs) Yeah. I I have always, not always, but for the past 10 years or so worked at home. So that part is not new. But what is new is having my husband here with me, having my two kids here with me and trying to teach them while managing my normal job. Uh, So it's been a little crazy. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting a little cut in and out from Shannon. So we'll wait and see if she returns. We're good, we're good. (laughs) I'm sorry, my internet, something has gone crazy with my internet lately, and it is not working. You guys keep cutting out for me, too. Hey, this is our modern lives. It's just something we have to deal with, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Shannon, you're based on the East Coast. What is the school situation? Are your kids still staying home? So we don't know 100% yet. Every town has had to come up with their three plans, one for totally going back, totally virtual, and then hybrid. Um, Those are just due to the state in the past few days, and then the state has to approve them. Um, But so far, it looks like in my town, they are looking at hybrid with kids basically going to school like a quarter time and being home three quarters of the time so I'm love to see them back at school but it's such a a small amount of time I don't know how how it's gonna work I think we're all in that boat how the heck is this going to work well those kids are adorable aren't they (laughs) (laughs) that's the only reason they're still alive (laughs) (laughs) 
Shannon, you know we like to tell a quick story about how awesome or sometimes awful our kids are because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. I can go first. I have a screen time success story related story. So Nate read one of those like who was books, but it was a what is the Statue of Liberty. And then it had the web address for a virtual tour that you can do on the National Parks website. And he begged and begged to do it. He did it. And then he wanted to be like a tour guide. And so then he gave me a tour of the Statue of Liberty and narrated the whole thing. And it was like super adorable. And I felt like he was actually using the computer in a educational way. Deborah, that's amazing. Can I tell you what I was terrified you were going to say? <laughs> <laughs> that there was a link on the book to that terrible Netflix Who Was show and that he was suddenly obsessed with improv comedy. I would not want him to watch that show. That was bad. <laughs> yeah. Shannon, how about you? Do you have a cute kid story? So it, it's probably not a great story, but the thing that is jumping to mind is that my kids went back to their daycare slash preschool this past week, um, which had been closed down and they just reopened it. Um, and so it's the first time they've been to school in a few months and it's just been pretty awesome. And I like love picking them up at the end of the day and seeing like how excited they are to tell me about all the stuff they did at school that day and what they learned and show me their all their pictures that they drew and they will like stick them under their shirt to hide them so I can't <laughs> see them because they don't want to ruin the surprise and they won't want to show them to me and dad together so that's just been really cute this week seeing them uh, kind of get that love of learning back which has frankly been gone with the disaster that was my homeschool <laughs> this past few months. Um, so that's just been really awesome. That's great. I bet everybody is so happy that they're back. Yes, yes, they are thrilled. We are thrilled. And it's only for a month uh, or so because then my youngest goes to kindergarten and then my oldest goes to second grade. So he's already you know, been in elementary school, but he usually goes back to that same school preschool for the summer um, so they've been having such a, a good time and we're going to treasure it while it lasts because it looks like they're going to be home most of the time in the fall yeah well that is awesome news for now how about you Katie anything cute happening at your house okay so you know how kids reflect back to you the most annoying parts of yourself <laughs> definitely sometimes the things you don't even realize are a thing so Kenny is talking up a storm right now, but he's not super intelligible. But lately, it's been all about the tone of his voice. So the other day I asked him, Kenny, do you want a snack? And he says, um, no. And in that oh. moment, I just, I heard myself reflected back to me in the most pristine way. And it was, it was a thing. <laughs> That sounds really cute. <laughs> that is great. My husband and I noticed that all the time where the kids will say a certain thing like over and over and we're like, which one of us did they get that from? Because uh -huh. it's somebody. 
And I feel like I've reached the part in marriage where like I'm no longer compelled to point out Kevin's like verbal idiosyncrasies. <laughs> but now the kids just do it for me. Like <laughs> And I'm sure it goes the same way too. Like I definitely say FYI all the time and Kevin has stopped pointing it out, but now the kids do it. So I know. I still know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> FYI, we read a good article for Screen Time in the News that you picked out, Katie. We read from the July 27th New York Times an article by Anya Kamenetz, who is a self-professed parenting expert, but now no longer considers herself a parenting (laughs) expert because she's spent so much time at home with her children lately. She wrote a book about screen time and had all these guidelines and suggestions, research-based ideas on screen time. And then the pandemic hit and she realized that it's time for us all to give ourselves a little break, relax the rules, hug our kids, And it was a really nice article. I felt like it was a very, she just felt very real to me. Like she was telling some truths in this article. Mm -hmm. It's rare to see in our society in general that someone looks back at positions they've taken or things that they've claimed to be an expert in and just says, look, no, I was wrong. I didn't know all the facts. So I found that to be really refreshing. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you think, Shannon? I agree. I love the like the mea culpa that she gave. That, like you said, Katie, it's so rare. I find like nowadays when you're trying to you know make a point, like God forbid, on the internet, and you know that there's no way you're going to convince someone that they're just going to dig deeper into <laughs> their mm-hmm. opinion, even if you've shown them a thousand facts to the contrary. So yeah, it it was so refreshing. To hear that, you know, I thought I was a parenting expert, but I realized I had never actually spent significant time with my kid or anybody else's kid until now. And now I realize that, um, that, you know, families need more grace with this. So I really appreciated it. Yeah. And it was a nice peek behind the curtain, too. She was very upfront about the fact that, you know, she took fairly short maternity leaves with both of our kids, both of her kids, and she went back to work. So she was a parenting expert that was speaking from a place of not doing a ton of solo parenting, which as moms, when we're reading all this material about what we should be doing and how we should be doing it, I, for one, kind of assume that the person who's writing is coming from a a similar experience to my own. And just to have it laid out that that wasn't at all the case was also nice to hear. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. It did actually at the end have some good suggestions about ways to use screen time that aren't going to be, I don't know, wrecking your kids like attention span. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll link to it on our social media feeds. Sounds good. So Deborah, do you have any follow-up from our last episode? Um, The movie that I was trying to come up with the title that has Fred Savage and Jenny Lewis in it is called The Wizard. Are you sure it wasn't about pinball? Um, They had like, there was an arcade 
featured in it, but I just remembered the dinosaurs, which I think is just at the end of the movie. Okay. Where they visit like a roadside attraction of dinosaur oh. statues that they go inside. Oh. My memory of this movie is like very warped. I want to watch it again. <laughs> I only read the Wikipedia profile of it. <laughs> I have some important news to share with you, and really, the world. So I've been zoning out in front of some really weird television in the brief moments that I have timed myself. Have you explored at all the Netflix series, Nadia's Time to Eat? What? No. <laughs> Shannon, yes, no? No, but it sounds amazing. Okay, so it's a cooking show hosted by the winners of one of the seasons of The Great British Bake Off. And she does, like, cooking shortcuts. It's, like, your standard cooking show for busy people. It's very cute. She's very charming. But in one episode, she cooks what she calls savory French toast. And Deborah, it's a Monte Cristo sandwich. (gasps) Oh! It's a thing outside of this weird menu item that no one really eats. Like, savory French toast is apparently a thing. Oh, I'll have to get the recipe. (laughs) I'll send you a link. It was shocking to me. Do you think it's an easier execution than the Disney Magic Moments Monte Cristo sandwich? The show is very charming and all about easy execution. So I feel like that's a definite yes. Okay. Is is there ham in it? Yeah, it's a ham and cheese sandwich with French toast as the bread. Oh, nice. Okay. Thank you. All right, on to more important things. (laughs) Today, we are talking about the new Netflix movie, Animal Crackers. This is an animated movie that just premiered on Netflix on July 23rd, 2020. It actually debuted at a small film festival in 2017, but it has had a rocky road getting to our eyeballs. It is directed by Tony Bancroft and Scott Christian Sava. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that last name. But I love the Elan with which I can say Sava. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie is based on Sava's graphic novel of the same name. And it has been stuck in some crazy development hell. This guy had no prior experience doing movies. It was a labor of love. And he just had the biggest problems with financing. I read a whole variety article about it. It was bonkers. You guys will link to the article. It just made my heart break for this guy because he made this movie out of this book he wrote for his kids and it has ruined him. Oh, no. Yeah. But Netflix rescued it, although I don't think that this poor guy, Sava, (laughs) is getting any financial gain from it, which is really sad. But we get to see it, which is a good. It is rated for kids seven and up and a loose plot outline. A family uses a magical box of animal crackers to become performing animals and rescue their dying family circus. We picked it because we haven't covered a movie in a while. And because I absolutely loved the backstory. Well, not loved, but I found it fascinating. And the big ticket voice talent is John Krasinski and his real life wife, Emily Blunt. And I find them to be adorable. So I was excited to watch a movie in which they starred. Deborah, you want to start us out on some general thoughts? Yeah, let's 
talk about the concept and the plot a little bit. So circuses are hella problematic. <laughs> um, my kids know they've never been to a circus and they are so angry about it. Not that anyone is going to circuses right now anyway, but Jeremy and I have explained that it's because the animals are treated really poorly and we don't want to support that or be witness to that. Right. Anyway, this seems like the only way to have a sympathetic circus storyline where the people eat a cracker that turns them into a trick animal and so then there's no animal cruelty. Right. I, I mean, I'm right with you. Who is going to the circus? Is there even a place in modern society where classic circuses still exist, irrespective of the pandemic? And no no judgment. Have you guys been to the circus with your kids? I have not, no. In Baraboo, Wisconsin, there is something called Circus World. <laughs> and I oh, have yeah. it's like a museum kind of. I have mm-hmm. vague memories of going there as a child. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Uh, yeah. I thought it was it was just a really weird like lesson to be teaching I I was like is there some political motivation here it seemed like very actively like unwoke (laughs) like I couldn't believe like the story a large part of it was the circus was kind of not fun without the animals and you needed the animals to make the circus fun which I just thought that was a really bad lesson in this day and age yeah, good point. And I think the commercial juggernaut of Cirque du Soleil would really object to that characterization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, whoever made this movie is not a Cirque du Soleil fan, for sure. I was going to say, it's very obviously set in the today. We see Owen, the father character, using his cell phone. It's not a period piece. Every other example of a circus movie or show that I could think of was set in the past to make it okay there was another like side plot that I thought was very like I understand it's a movie that employs magical realism but I found this plot about the dog biscuit making machine to be utterly implausible so the scientist at the dog biscuit factory is trying to come up with a machine that makes a tasty dog biscuit that tastes like people food, like a lasagna or a pot roast biscuit. And she just can't get it right. And she, the biscuits turn people different colors <laughs> and like make them throw up. And like, it doesn't seem like making a tasty dog biscuit would be that difficult. Agreed. Agreed. And in what company are you punished for like doing R&D to make the dog biscuits better? Because that was a continuing plot point, too, that the head of the company kept berating and punishing them for trying to make a better product. Yeah, I just could not suspend my disbelief for that part of the movie. (laughs) And it just seemed to me like this whole weird tangent that took up a large part of the movie that I didn't understand why they were going there. There were whole parts where I'm like, what am I supposed to be cheering for here? Like bringing the circus back or making the dog biscuits? It, It seemed to take away from what I think is 
was the main storyline. And, and yeah, I was like, why are they trying to sabotage this poor scientist trying to make her dog biscuit? I don't under, understand what's going on in this company. Yeah, exactly. And so you had this side thing with the dog biscuits, and they manufactured this quote-unquote conflict in which Owen insisted that he had to be working in the dog biscuit, fac- biscuit factory and not at the circus, which took up a fair amount of time that wasn't even related to the main conflict of the movie, which was Owen's evil uncle trying to steal the circus. So why were we even spending time there? Yeah, and it was a weird comment on like family work-life balance. This makes me think that it was a very pre-COVID movie because John Krasinski's character like quits his job at the dog biscuit factory basically so he can spend more time with his wife at running the circus. Do you think that post-COVID, do you think we're going to see a lot more movies where people are trying to escape their family home? <laughs> I love it. It's like the opposite yeah. of the bad dad movie where like the yeah. dad learns the lesson that he has to spend less time at work. It's like the flip side of that. <laughs> How do we get away from our spouses and children? <laughs> we'll be looking out for it. So there were some silly moment moments in the movie. What did you think about the humor? I, I just want to point out, I'll, I'll start. I want to point out that there was the clown that eats everything, Katie, proving my theory that Every kid, good kids show has a character who just has an insatiable appetite. Very true. I thought it was very kind of understated humor for mm-hmm. the most part. Like the conversations, and I wasn't sure if I liked it or didn't like it, the conversations between Owen and Zoe, the married couple, I feel like they were like, oh, like you want to cook dinner you know, after this day that we had, like they were conversations that could go on in my house and do go on in my house every day Mm -hmm. which I'm like do I like this because it's really real or do I not because it's not particularly entertaining because it happens in my house every day yeah Uh, so I was a little bit torn on that point I also noticed that and I have to say I came down strongly on the pro side (laughs) I found that their couple sniping in kind of like Soto Voce conversation was so relatable it just it made me feel like the movie was a little bit made for me and maybe not just my kids (laughs) yeah I will say the one thing that my kids got a big kick out of was I think it was the Zoe's father the boss of the dog biscuit place who liked to use the word nincompoop quite a bit and my kids did find that hilarious Oh, anything we'll that ends that. in poop, for sure. Two thumbs up. 100%. <laughs> I also liked the character of Brock. He's kind of a Winklevoss twin. Yes. Animated. Mm-hmm. I thought he was funny, just as a caricature of, like, the ladder-climbing dog biscuit executive wannabe. <laughs> The scenes in which he was sabotaging the, and I don't remember the name of the scientist, Brinkley? No. Binkley. Binkley. The scenes in which he was sabotaging sabotaging Binkley's machines were just so funny. Like, the joke was he was this big hulking man, but he moved like a ninja when he went in there to, like, flip all the switches. (laughs) It was really a fun visual gag, fun to watch in that way. Yeah. So what did you think about 
the cast and characters. There were a lot of big names yeah. besides the Krasinski blunts like Danny DeVito, Ian McKellen, Raven Simone, Savelle Sylvester Stallone, Wallace Shawn, Gilbert Gottfried. Those are all names I recognized from IMDb. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shannon, what did you think? I thought they were pretty good. Like, I thought I did like Danny DeVito a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Sylvester Stallone, I didn't realize that was him until afterwards I looked on IMDb. I was like, oh. I did actually have the conversation with my husband about whether we thought that it was a good idea to cast like really big name actors in an animated movie, which of course gets done all the time. But we were wondering, do like real voice actors, do they do it better because they're used to, this is their whole gig. Whereas maybe a more famous movie actor is used to using like their whole body and their face, which doesn't, you know, you don't, can't convey those same things in an animated movie. So I was a little torn on that. Yeah, that's a good point. Really good question. I would say they need the big names to sell the movie, but given how poorly the financing for this movie went, I guess that didn't help. (laughs) I know. I feel bad now that paying all those actors, is that what bankrupted this poor (laughs) illustrator? So many things. So many things. Am I the only one to think that an Emily Blunt with an American accent is a waste of an Emily Blunt? Yeah, I did not recognize I did not recognize her voice at all. She no, didn't sound I, like Emily Blunt. I like I knew Emily Blunt was in the movie and I'm as the movie's going on, I'm like, when's Emily Blunt showing up? And that American accent. I was impressed with the job she did. Yeah, and I guess if the point of it was to make her a believable daughter for Wallace Shawn, I am never going to come down on the side of less Wallace Shawn's voice in anything. Yeah, I guess if that's what it comes down to to get the American accent, I'll take it, fine. I did think that it was short on diverse voices and faces. Like pretty much everybody is white in the main cast except for Binkley. I thought it could have done better representation-wise, especially since it's a Korean, Korean day, cell phones. Like, it's not too hard to cast a person of color in a main role. Okay, so I have a question for both of you on this. And I should have done more research, so this is a very half-baked idea. But do you feel like in some modern animated content people use wacky natural hair color to be like a stand-in for diversity. I feel like this isn't the first movie or show I've seen where like people just randomly have bright blue or bright purple hair. And we're supposed to accept that to be within the normal range of hair colors you can have. Is this just like an animated shortcut to be like, oh, we'll show there are all different kinds of people. It might be. If I've so, never thought I of it like it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, Katie, I never thought of that, and I think that you might be right. But I will say that the different colored hair was one thing I could point out that I liked about the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I liked very little about it, but I'm like, at least it's colorful. It has that going for it. <laughs> Did you ever find yourself super distracted by Owen's blue facial stubble? Because that was one thing I could not get past. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even notice. 
Oh, because oh. he was a cool dad, so he had some scruff going on there, but it was blue, which was weird. Let's keep talking about the look of the show. What are your thoughts about the animation? Like, the style. Not just the colors of of the characters here. (laughs) Because I could talk about that all day. (laughs) I was worried that I was going to really not like it once I read that it shared a character designer with Despicable Me. Because I feel like I've seen enough of that. There were moments where I actually found myself stepping away from the plot looking at the way the animation was cut together and being really impressed specifically that initial montage they did when Owen was like learning how to morph into all the different animals and it was set to a queen number and it was really you know just fun poppy images of the different animals and then the climactic battle scene at the end where they're all fighting and all abruptly changing into all these different animals I thought it was cut together really well and animated in a really compelling way. I don't know if you guys had any moments that stuck out to you like that. How about you, Shannon? What did you think? I didn't have any particular moments, and I might be entirely off base with this, and you guys are way more expert on this than me, but I almost got like a little quirky, almost like Tim Burton vibe, like not full-on like dark Tim Burton but just like a little kind of quirky and unique which I kind of (laughs) liked yeah I can see that I thought that the I don't know the lighting in the animation was really stunning there were some moments that and they're like less spectacular moments like when the motorcycle is spewing exhaust or like when there's a fire and there are sparks coming off of the fire. I thought that was done really well. I liked the animation a lot better than I liked the plot. Yeah. So you mentioned a queen song, Katie. Any other thoughts on the music? There was a Beyonce ripoff <laughs> that happened about an hour into the movie, and I really liked that song. Really? I thought it was Beyonce, but it's not. It's called Like That. I don't remember it. What was happening? I don't even know. So do you guys even remember, like, this wasn't a musical, but there were two random musical numbers (laughs) sung by (laughs) Ian McKellen's character that they just shoehorned in to the towards the beginning, Mm -hmm. like in the first third, they both happened. And I love Ian McKellen, but I don't feel like you need to feature his singing voice in a movie. Like, that's not his skill set. It wasn't even really singing. It was like My Fair Lady style speech singing. I was totally put off by that and unsure why they shoehorned two musical numbers into the movie at the beginning. Never had any other sung musical numbers by any other characters. What the heck was going on? Were you as bothered by that as I was? (laughs) I am 100% with you, Katie. It drove me bonkers like I feel like you either have to go like full-on trolls with like the existing pop music or go full-on musical um but when they tried to shoehorn those in I just thought they were just so bad compared to like we have great Disney movies with really good songwriters that do the music like Lin-Manuel Miranda and Phil Collins and Elton John Um, and these I'm like if you're going to make an animated movie with music 
like you have to know that people are comparing you to that. What they struck me as is like a bad Randy Newman impression. Yes, oh, like, yes. I, I don't even, I don't like Randy Newman, Randy Newman, but like a bad impression of him is just really bad. So yeah, I'm with you, Katie. Those drove me crazy. That is spot on, spot on. <laughs> Were you guys able to compare this movie to any movie or TV show made for grownups? These are not movies that are made for grownups, but remember Nine Lives, where Kevin Spacey turns into a cat? Yes, yes. Throwback <laughs> episode four, I think, of It's My Screen Time 2. <laughs> yeah. And Greatest Showman, remember mm-hmm. that movie? That's like a good circus movie with good songs. But again, set in the past, which I feel like is what you have to do if you're going to make a circus movie. Mm -hmm. So I struggled to compare it to grown-up shows. Mm -hmm. Shannon, how about you? I couldn't think of a real good example. There were certain aspects of the movie that I thought had those aspects in other adult movies. Like one thing I thought, one movie I thought of was Office Space, like just the... Um, the person working the job that they don't like. Mm-hmm. So that aspect of it kind of reminded me of Office Space. So Office Space is way better, in my humble opinion. Um, <laughs> what? You, that, Kev- <laughs> that Kevin Spacey one you pulled out, Deborah, is really good. The one I thought of along like the, line, the lines of a transformation or a person in the wrong kind of body was big. Uh-huh. Yeah. In a yeah. Movie. Um, and then the only other one I could think of was like meet the parents in terms of like the son-in-law trying to impress his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, so little aspects of all those different movies, but not like a real great spot on comparison. I like you, Deborah thought of the greatest showman. I also thought of the more made for grown ups historical circus movie, water for elephants. Have you guys seen that one? I have not watched it. Was that a book too? It was. Yeah. It was like yeah. a, pretty solid book club book for a couple years there mm-hmm. um, and then just as in terms of a queen montage that I really like um, <laughs> did you see the movie Shaun of the Dead no yes. because there's oh, a fabulous queen a fabulous action sequence set to a queen song in a pool hall involving zombies and pool cues and I mean this kind of reminded me of that <laughs> Good one, Katie. (laughs) All right. Did we do any casting of the gritty HBO reboot? I would like to cast Will Smith as the dad and Mirye Enos. She's that redheaded actress who is in Hannah. She was in The Killing. I still haven't watched Hannah. So Hannah, the show on Amazon Prime. Maybe she's too obscure, but I think she and Will Smith would be good together. And then Zendaya would be their reluctant... (laughs) Gen Z daughter who's forced to do Zoom college at the family circus because the society <laughs> around them is collapsing. Like it. And yet they're still fostering super spreader events at their family circus. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, were, were you able to come up with a good gritty cast? The, really the one that I felt very strongly about is that Zoe's dad needs to be played by Paul Giamatti. Oh. <laughs> oh, just Raisin very good. Yeah, just gross and snivelly. Yes. And I 
feel very strongly he needs to be in that role. That is an excellent, excellent pick. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other person I pictured, which is not at all gritty, but as Binkley, I want Mindy Kaling. And I don't know if it's just like the office connection with John Krasinski that put it in my head, but I thought she would make a really good Binkley with being like kind of awkward and talking too fast. And I think she'd be great at it. I like it. Like her Mindy Project character of herself. Yes, totally. I wanted a really good family connection between the evil uncle that's trying to steal the circus and the Owen character. So I went with Donald and Brendan Gleeson, who are actually father and son. But I think Brendan Gleeson does an excellent villain. He played Mad-Eye Moody in the Harry Potter movies. And uh, Donald Gleeson, I guess, most recently from the Star Wars franchise. But he can also be downright charming and affable as evidenced in his performance in the adorable romantic comedy about time (laughs) have you seen it no oh my gosh it is so cute his love interest is played by rachel mcadams and they are 100 adorable together so she can just go ahead and play zoe in my reboot as well do you think it was better when we were kids that's a tough one i really liked the animation so animation-wise, no, but maybe cohesive plot, yes. <laughs> Thinking about a circus movie when we were kids, I thought of Dumbo immediately. And I feel like that was a whole lot better with the really cohesive plot. And it was on sort of the right side of things with being on the side of animals in the circus. Whereas I'm not so sure about this movie. So yeah, I liked it better when we were kids. Except Dumbo. Hella racist. True. Excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Tim Burton connections, did you see the uh, Tim Burton live action Dumbo? No, I have not seen that one. Yeah. I mean, I hate Tim Burton, but it exists as a thing. If you want to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? Shannon, how about you go first since we sometimes lose you? No, I would not. And I don't think that I am particularly critical of kids' movies. Usually I'm like, hey, it's for kids. Like, no big deal. We can, I can forgive some of these plot holes. This one, I found it really, really distracting. As much as I love John Krasinski and would watch almost anything that he's in, this one did not do it for me. So I'm going to have to vote no on that one. Deborah, I would not watch it alone voluntarily. How about you, Katie? Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I found the segments that I liked, but I didn't like them enough to ever go back and watch them on my own. Mm -hmm. Should we do 10 seconds on whether or not this is good for our kids? Yeah. So it says seven plus. I watched it with Jay and Kenny. Jay was particularly entertained with everything having to do with the character of Bullet Man, who is the man in the circus that gets shot out of a cannon. And he actually plays a quite pivotal role in the plot. Uh, but that was definitely his biggest takeaway, which I guess is fine as long as he doesn't start trying to rocket into things head first around the house. And I think I would say it's not good. I don't think our my kids would pick up on this at all. And I asked them if they liked it. I watched it with them. They're five and six. And they said they liked it. I did see them getting like 
a little squirrely. I don't know if it totally held their attention, um, but I think it's not for good, good for them just in terms of teaching them good storytelling. Yeah. I think this movie dropped the ball, so um, I wouldn't particularly recommend it for kids or anyone, frankly. <laughs> Deborah? Yeah, I thought it was a little bit long on the long side for a kid's yeah. movie. I want all kids' movies, current kids' movies. Pollyanna doesn't <laughs> <laughs> count. That's so long. Um, Under 90 minutes, and this is like an hour and yeah. 45 minutes, which dragged a little bit. I think my kids would like it. They haven't seen it. I think it would be fine, but I think there are other better movies to choose from, too on Netflix and elsewhere. Oh, and the other thing I thought was a little dark was when two of the characters, not spoiler alert, but um, they seem to have burned uh, burned to death in a fire. And then mm-hmm. there was a whole funeral for them. I felt like that was maybe a little dark and maybe just to me and my kids wouldn't notice. But I was like, ooh, things just got real dark all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is true, but you know, so many kids' movies start with like the incident that orphans the children. Yes, that's true. They've seen it all before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally desensitized. (laughs) (laughs) Ratings? Shannon, you want to go first? One to five is our scale. You're allowed to do uh, percentages too, like half points, quarter points, third points. (laughs) I'm gonna give it one and a half and it only gets the extra half just for my undying love for John Krasinski because I thought it was pretty bad wow (laughs) a tough critic a tough critic Deborah what about you I would give it a three I'm gonna have to go out on a limb and give it a four guys there were some visual elements of this that I really liked um, and I always think back to the fact that I think we gave Get Out of My Room a four stars. So I enjoyed this more than that. Yeah. Our rating process is very, very unscientific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. And thank you, Shannon, for joining us today. Yes, thank Please you. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2. We have two photos up on Instagram now at (laughs) myscreentime2. You can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Bye.